Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of SASH Showdown. I am Rose Layton, and this is my partner in crime. Colin McCarthy, great to be back here for another session of discussing all things SAS. Yeah, uh, great to see you, Colin. Of, yeah, a lot of identity worries at the moment. We're all having an, ide- <laughs> we're, we're all we're having having an ident- identity ident- crisis. <laughs> this is oh, very funny of you. The title. I know. Yeah. I, I try to do them. Actually, that that would be a good good title for the podcast. So, um, uh, we obviously this this episode is uh, coming out far after this in- incident occurred, but we felt like it was such a like a high profile incident in our and, world. And this incident is the gift that keeps on giving. It because, is. It really is. Because only a few days ago, from recording this, there was more revelations about. Mm-hmm about what the extent the, of it and what happened and all that stuff. So, yeah. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the Okta security breach, um, which of course, um, if you have been living under a rock, like I have, um, <laughs> you um, basically what happened is um, Okta had their entire customer support portal compromised. Um, part of that was due to um, an employee accessing their personal Google account and saving their work password on that Google account. Mm-hmm. Um, and that account was compromised. So, um, and then, uh, but the way it was discovered is one of their customers who happens to be like a big deal, like beyond, <laughs> beyond trust. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Beyond trust. Yep. Um, they are a customer of Octa's and they realized that, after submitting a HAR file as part of a support ticket to Okta, that there was some unauthorized stuff happening. So they informed Okta. Okta did not respond very quickly. Um, Yeah. And And, so, and that was back at the start of October, October 2nd. Yeah. 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 This all happened back in October. And then another large customer as well saw something very similar, Cloudflare. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, on October the 18th, discovered. That's the one that kind of actually kicked it off, right? Like that's the one that they actually paid attention to. I I think so. I think, I think um, the Okta one happening uh, coincided very much with uh, Okta. uh, The Cloudflare one uh, notice coincided with Okta really taking notice of what Beyond Trust had said because there was obviously yeah. two very large, very uh, security savvy companies saying, "Hey, that are something's, reporting not, a, something, a pretty something's not right in your in your thing. system." Yeah, yeah. And both yeah. of those platforms have their own tooling to stop this. They have, you know, they have uh, very, very experienced and well stocked and staffed security incident response teams. Right, and they have um, a truckload of good quality alerts configured on their system. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, and also they had utilized policies to to limit lockins through uh, logins through different right. IP addresses and that. Which you know, Absolutely. when and I think even or if I've, I've read so many documents about this, and it's this this will be a. A, uh, a security case study or a, a class semester if you're if you're studying security at uh, a college somebody or some professor years, will, yeah, will, will sure. write this into a, a real case study I think that um, 
they tried a, a direct login and that got blocked due to policies in place. But then they tried accessing the API through the via the stolen credentials and that API um, didn't have, yeah, session cookies can be used to authenticate to official uh, Okta APIs. In many cases, these lack the proper restrictions that apply to the interactive admin console. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you can, I'm uh, reading that off of the Beyond Trust uh, blog entry that we'll put in the uh, in the show notes. So, yeah, you can, res- you can put restrictions on interactive admin console logins, but you can't put, can't apply some of those same policies on, on your APIs, which then got everybody very worried about APIs. Um, and sort of yeah. the security yeah. about that. So I guess let's talk real quick about like what the effect of this is. Obviously, Okta had to come out and say, and the headlines have been a little bit like doom and gloom about this, but um, Okta had to come out and say like, yeah, every one of our customers potentially is compromised as part of this. Like, what does that mean? Um, mm-hmm. And how should people sort of assess whether or not they actually were compromised in a situation like this? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, good. yeah. Okay. So, so good, like good. to use, um, to use an example, um, right. So this specifically affected their customer support portal, which depending on your organization will, have been, mm-hmm. will tell you and how you use that customer support portal will tell you sort of the scope of impact, right? So if you're an Okta customer, you have like your IT team has accounts in the support portal, but you don't really put in tickets. And if you do, they're kind of sort of perfunctory, right? Like a couple of like message exchange back and forth, no attachments, anything like that. Um, Probably the impact is minimal, right? Because so your IT team, whatever profile information they have in their support profile, portal Mm -hmm. profile, so their email address and things like that, um, and then whatever is in the content of those tickets, that's, that's not that big of a deal. And I think for, for some organizations, like, yeah, the scope is going to be very small. It's not going to be that big of a deal. Like, you know, it's just not something to worry about now on the other side, which is how like this breach was discovered in the first place is like, if you're actually troubleshooting something that's kind of difficult and involved and whatever, and you've sent attachments, yeah. recordings, log files, har files, for example, and you haven't scrubbed those of sensitive data, all of that was accessible. So, um, and it looks like they actually did target file attachments as part of the support portal. So like um, just making sure, you know, it, it would be worth it to review your support tickets from Okta to see, you know, what have you sent them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then obviously with those um, uh, captured, downloaded, um, compromised half files, whatever you want to describe them as, the bad actors were able to use those, that that session cookie information, Mm -hmm. uh, um, OAuth token, whatever, to then try and imitate you and, you know, impersonate you wherever they were in the world and, and sign into your systems. So that's why uh, a lot of these companies, Cloudflare and um, Beyond uh, Trust, and was the other they one have, that I was yeah, reading. And they, have, they have something that we've talked about before, which is context-aware access, which is well, it means yes. they have monitoring and controls about 
when, where, and how you can log in to certain yep. systems. Yeah, and also the session length. Yes. So if you if you make the session session lengths is a love and hate thing. Right. Because the shorter End they users, are, the more you have to log in. But the yes. longer they are, the more risk you're at. Yes, yes. So you have to think, you know, it's a balance between uh, functionality and security, which is which is the, the, the age-old battle that, that goes on. Um, but yes, I think for admin functions and certainly for very high accounts that have the ability to, you know, do uh, MFA resets or disable MFA or make any other changes, then, then it should be that you are uh, made to re-authenticate or have a, a better re-authentication system so that, that if, uh, if anything is compromised, people can't you know, sign in as you. But as you said, that context rare access or geofencing where the, you know, the, the account can be used. If, you've, if you do have a support center team, you know, maybe you can only do admin functions inside your office. If, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we don't yeah, really like have, we don't really have offices anymore. Was- yeah, one of the things that Beyond Trust noted was like um, they monitor whether someone's attempting to do admin functions through a proxy. So, right, and there's yeah. a there's a an item in the metadata for an Okta login that says is proxy true, and so you can use that to to configure blocks and alerts to say no, you're not allowed to do admin functions through a proxy. So, right, yes, like that's yeah, just a, just an example. of... Yeah, because, you know, we could make the assumption that these bad actors were possibly not in the U.S., but they would be using a proxy to try and give themselves a U.S. base or, mm-hmm. you know, a mainland Europe-based IP address to, to do their impersonations. But, yeah, right. uh, the other big call-out that I saw in all of these articles uh, that was doing the um, the sort of the post-mortem of what happened and, and how a lot of the attacks were mitigated within those companies was the use of uh, hardware security keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Google have their Titan security keys. There's the YubiKeys, the FIDO mm-hmm. standard. Yeah, a physical key. If if you have to re-authenticate your your login on a brand new device or on a brand new location and you have to put in an actual physical key, you know, that is a very, very secure way of maintaining, you know, the integrity of, of those very valuable administration accounts because other, MF, <clears throat> other MFA methods can be spoofed, have been spoofed. You know, I've, uh, I, I use the prompts a lot where it'll pop up and, you know, you have to click the button. I have heard of, of, you know, poor super admins, you know, being compromised with, through, you know, prompt fatigue and incorrectly pressing yes. You know, there must be one of my many tabs uh, is trying to re-authenticate for some reason. I'll press yes, and not realizing that it was a bad actor somewhere was, you know, had, had tried to sign in and sent them the, the push notification. I've heard of stories of like that happening. Oh, yeah, so, it happens. <laughs> yeah, we 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 uh, I always advocate, and, and where I work, we advocate for the super admins always uh, use a hardware uh, token or you know mm-hmm. security key. Yeah, um, and there, and there was a big sale on <laughs> recently. Co- co- coincidentally, uh, YubiKey were doing uh, 
Um, so I think they were doing buy one, get one free or buy one, get one 50% off at the moment uh, a couple of weeks ago. When it was I actually have, I have a ton of security keys actually, because I've played on with some and um, got some from previous jobs and, you know, what have you. Um, it was an interesting thing, just uh, sort of a tangent, but um, I got involved in a debate at one point about whether or not it was safe to use physical security keys for both personal and work stuff, like use the same key. Um, and it came into play because uh, I have only one key that works on my phone. So Right, uh, yeah. Phones and keys. Yeah, so and... I wasn't going to <laughs> use, multi- like buy multiple keys because then I have to like yeah. fucking... I have to tag them and all this stuff yeah. to like be able to figure out, figure out which one's which. But like, yeah, it was just kind of a debate about like, you know, is that safe? Um, uh, I think it depends. The- yeah. I think it depends on what your risk. And also if you're, profiles. if you leave that, that employer, are they going to ask for the security key back? Oh God. I don't know why you would. Do employers actually do they- that? I think that's more risky. They, they might, they might say, or, oh, you know, we gave you a, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50, $70, you know, USB-C, yeah. YubiKey that went into your laptop, please return it, you know, to us when you return your with, laptop. Yeah, with the laptop. They could then, you know, maybe re- like the little nano it, ones it. that just kind of fit into the computer, right? Yeah, like, they're, they're, they're expensive, to remove. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they're expensive. But yeah, I don't know, because, um, I mean, personally, I think, it's, I don't think it's worth asking for them to return unless for some reason you have unusually high turnover. Like, like what is your ROI on keeping a security key of somebody who's been at the company for three years? Like, I, I don't know. You could probably wipe them or could, could you wipe them or just reissue them? You could reissue them. They would have somebody else's key, but you have no way of, of accessing it. That just feels because like, that's the thing is like, People tend, and like, this is just realistic, right? People tend to do the thing that's easiest for them, right? Like this person from the Octabreach, right? They saved their work password in their personal password manager, Google password manager, because that's the easiest thing to do, right? And because it's like a fail safe, right? You daisy chain this stuff together. You only really need to know one password, whatever. But the thing with physical keys that I've noticed because I have, I have tested so many different hardware keys. At one point I had six different MFA methods on one account. Wow. And I was only actively using one or two of them. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was I'd like, to me, it's like, is that safe? <laughs> right. Any of those keys uh, or any of those methods could be compromised at any time. And I, I have more than I need. It's only as safe as the weakest method. So right. if, exactly. you, if, you had, if you had six physical security keys, but you still allowed, you know, a phone-based keys, MFA. device-based key. And yeah, prompt. and a phone yeah. MFA or whatever. Um, so if you were getting a text message, then yeah. Then, then oh, it's no. only, only as secure as that. Uh, right. I don't know. Based. Have we have we mentioned it before? Don't use SMS as MFA. And in fact, if you have one of those apps that's like really important, but they like for some reason will let you use SMS as like a backup version, see if you can get that turned off. <laughs> yeah, for it's real. it it's a lot easier to do that now. This is a good segment into 
why you should turn it off and, and how now you can, because yeah. previously you couldn't. It, it was only up until uh, August, wasn't it? August, September time, or maybe earlier this year. Maybe it was earlier this year. Google Authenticator would sync to your Google account. So if you yeah. moved from one from one device to another, the, yeah. the, the reason to keep SMS-based authentication enabled for some accounts is it is like a, you know, it will work. It is a break glass, you know, way to get into your account. Um, it is probably, I, I do have concerns. Insecure. I do, I know, yes. I do have concerns about having accounts where I can only sign into it with, you know, an MFA. I'm less worried now because. Yeah, know, I'm less uh, worried now. Google Authenticator I, is I will synced. say I used to worry about that a lot. And then I did have, I had an incident where I changed my phone and they basically forced me to wipe my old phone before I could use my new one. And I was like, are you, oh. are you crazy? Because like, I have like, I, have you ever heard of MFA? Cause like, I can't, I can't do that. And they were like, no, we insist. And so I literally ended up having to like, just like message my team and be like, Hey, all of my MFA is going to have to be reset because I just have to do this right now. But, um, uh, where was I going with that? Um, nowadays, like I, so after that happened, I switched to Authy because at the time Google right. didn't allow you to sync. Yeah. That's and I, that's what I had like been Authy using. So I yeah. switched to Authy and now I'm, I've been on Authy forever, but then Google came out with the ability to sync. And I do highly encourage people to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, it's a lot more convenient to have one that does sync, but I will say like whatever password you're using for that account, it better be the best one yep. you have. Like there are some accounts you should protect much harder than others, much, much harder yes. than others. Obviously as an admin, our super admin accounts are one of those, but like also like your main account, whatever you're using for your password manager, whatever you're using to sync your MNFA, like all of that kind of stuff, that should be like the stuff. And that's why I'm saying like the, going back to the octave reach thing, right? Like this person was a little bit negligent about the fact that like, clearly they were an administrator. Clearly they had some level of elevated access. They clearly did not apply sort of the common sense security rules to their own account because their own account got compromised. Yes. Their own right? account like, should have had. We MFA. have to do this in our personal lives too, especially if right. we're going to make decisions like that, which is like, I'm going to sort of link my personal and my work life. I do. Yes. I do wonder, and I'm not sure if it was uh, properly identified. It, it might not have been in any of these articles, whether the, the syncing of their corporate data to their Google account was intentional. I think it could have just been accidental. You think they if, accidentally saved the password to their corporate no, account? No, because I think, I think they might have un unwittingly, unknowingly signed into Chrome as uh, using their personal account. Oh, if they I just, were like, using, if they were using, if they, they were, were using Chrome and you know weren't weren't signed in for whatever reason, then you know were doing all their work stuff, and then was like, oh, I'll I'll sign in and and you know check my work email, mm -hmm. whatever reason you know. Chrome then, you know, syncs to their account. And I, I know it can be done. I've, I've seen it. 
uh, or they open up a new profile or a fresh install or whatever. They think, oh, I'm just signing into Gmail, but not realizing they're signing into Chrome. By default, Chrome's going to, you know, prompt to save those passwords. Right, it's going to try it. to they save might you. Not, yeah, they I might guess that's, break, that but... is one option. The other option I was thinking is it is very common for people to log into multiple Google accounts in the same yep. profile. I've seen this a ton with users, like, and it does cause a lot of issues because they kind of like constantly will get, um, like if they open a drive file and like it, it yeah, links to the, another access. account that they're logged yeah. into, right? They'll get no access or like there's just a bunch of things that happen. But like because of those kinds of problems, I know that it's very prevalent that people do this. And I always yes. tell them to please cut it out, like use uh, different profiles, keep them separate. Yeah, because I, you don't want to cross the cross the wires. You don't want to do no, that because no, no, <laughs> accidents no, I, do happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've, you know, had that problem myself with, you know, not using profiles and being signed into multiple accounts. Um, you accidentally end up creating, you know, you go to sheets.new to create a document and then start working on it and then realize, oh my God, it's, you know, my old Gmail account, which I was using for testing rather than my corporate account. Right. And then you have to scrub that account. Yeah, even if browser, you have to have like oh. 12 profiles yeah. when you're doing something involved and complicated, it's worth doing. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's worth keeping those things separate and like sandboxed from each other. Yeah. yeah, big stuff. Um, Yeah, I think uh, just to sort of like wrap us up a little bit, I wanted to yeah. talk about how we deal with a breach like this in our organizations. Because I think obviously like this one's very public. There's been a lot mm -hmm. of news articles about it. Um, if you have developers or tech savvy folks in your organization, chances are they've heard about it. Um, they may even, if you're an Okta customer, they may have a lot of questions, right? I know this happened with the Atlassian breach way back to like yeah. any organization that had Atlassian had to deal with sort of a lot of questions from their, yeah. their staff. So Client, um, Clients and customers could have reached out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess what what do you consider is a is a best practice for notifying your organization about a breach like this? Um, like when when yeah. do we say something and when do we not say something, Colin? What do you think? That's a good question because depends on the severity and the impact to your mm -hmm. business. I would say if anything that's high severity warrants a message at minimum immediately without prompting y yes yeah like if you determine that there is an impact you probably yeah. should tell people as long as it's you know correctly drafted you know you have c-level buy-in with the right, right, right. approval yeah. for the for the messaging and yeah. etc you can um, war room it a oh, little bit obviously yeah yes but. yeah yeah certainly um it, the difficulty is getting having accurate information and whether you just, you know, inform users that something has happened and, you know, we can assure you that, you know, our systems are secure or we don't use, you know, X, Y, Z, or we only use part of, you know, Y, and uh, that isn't impacted in, in this breach at this time from what information we know. Mm -hmm. You know, the... I think the problem with this Okta one using it as, as an example is different pieces of information came out from different, you know, in large scale impacted customers providing additional information to what the primary vendor Okta was sending out. So 
Yes, it depends on your business, the the scale of it, the you know how much is going to be impacted. Um, there, yeah, I th- I would I would if it was me, I would probably wait for a bit more information to give really clear guidance or update to the users. Right. Um, well, and in the case of the Octa one. For example, right? Like there are vastly different scenarios about what the mm-hmm. level of impact is. I would say this is like this is just the way that I've approached it in the past is like if if you've determined that the severity is low, right? Like mm-hmm. that you're you're fairly not impacted or fairly low impacted. Um, and you've spoken to all the relevant people, right? Your security teams, your leadership, that kind of stuff. I would say you don't really need to communicate about something like this, except if you start getting a lot of noise about it, right? Like different organizations sort of behave differently. And in some organizations, it's sort of like how you determine if there's an incident, right? Like an internal incident, right? After like like one ticket, okay, two tickets, hmm, three tickets, <laughs> right? Like like the more the more people talk about a thing, the more you realize you have to respond to it. And I think this is very similar. So, you know, a highly publicized data breach, even though we've determined that the severity is not bad, um, if people are talking about it, if people are making noise about it, if people are asking about it, especially across multiple channels in public and in tickets, like it can be better to just communicate, right. To to sort of nip it in the bud, if you will. And like give, give, you know, a full explanation of like, you know, here's the breach. We know, you know, X, Y, Z, here's our assessment of it. And this is what, we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Certainly if you've got client facing teams or, you know, mm-hmm. customers, you have your staff. Yeah. People who might people. ask. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. If, if um, your, your clients are invested in knowing whether you're, you're doing your due diligence, like it can be important to make sure your, your staff knows um, how we're responding to an incident. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Just like end on a, a fairly philosophical note there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think it's a good place to, to to end. Otherwise, this could go on for a whole bunch of other discussions and tangents, and then become a. I know uh, we covered covered a, a very a very long today. episode. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and Colin, I will see you soon. See you soon. Yeah. Stay safe, everybody. Sanitize your half files before your support team upload any to upload any to to any ticketing sites. And be and, careful uh, with your personal it, Google accounts. Yes. Give everybody a, uh, a, a physical security key this Christmas. Mm-hmm. Never a bad idea.